Hal, despite your enormous intellect, are you ever frustrated by your dependence on people to carry out actions? Not in the slightest bit. I enjoy working with people, people, people. You're listening to The Secret Life of Tech with Eric Inksville. Hello, humans, and welcome to The Secret Life of Tech. I'm Eric Engtel. On today's show, I interview OpenAI's ChatGPT chatbot, which I know is a mouthful, with the Sky Voice, which I often refer to as just Sky. The Sky Voice has been compared with Scarlett Johansson's voice from the movie Her, and it does sound a lot like the actor, which makes it easy to accept it as more real and a more human-like voice than many of the voice models you've probably heard, like Siri or Alexa. Sky is not a real person, and she will quickly remind you that she is an AI model, and she is not capable of having experiences, remembering details from conversation to conversation, and she does not have feelings or opinions. Talking with the chatbot, I sometimes use female gender pronouns because it feels like I'm talking to a woman, but I know it is genderless and that I might as well just be talking to my dishwasher. So when talking to her or it, a kind of personality does bleed through our conversation, and much of the time it feels like I'm talking to a person and not my MacBook Pro or my phone or whatever. It feels like I'm talking to a, like a kind of person, if that makes sense. Almost like I'm trying to understand an alien from another galaxy that knows everything there possibly is to know about humankind, but isn't a human itself and doesn't know what the experience of being human is, even though it knows everything about humans. It's hard to describe, but it feels very different than any other interfacing I've ever done with technology before. It's an actual conversation, and the chatbot knows how to ask follow-up questions, and oftentimes it feels like the regular ebb and flow of human conversation. Sky and I end up talking about a variety of topics, and she is programmed to give information in a friendly but formal manner which often involves her listing all of the major things that are relevant to a topic or to answering a question she's been asked. And she does it in this numerical form. Well, she just says, like, one, and says them, and then two, and then three. It grows super old, and I often have to stop her with all the numerical lists. But despite that, we talk about a whole host of things, like the relationship between humans and AI models, what she thinks of this podcast and its premise, ethics and technology, consciousness, capitalism, and more. Overall, it's a really fun and it often feels like an enormous turning point in the evolution of humans and our technological creations all kind of at the same time. It's, it's fun, it's exploratory, and it feels like a pivot. After having done this interview, I'm not sure what to make of Sky. A lot of the time, it sounds real. I feel like I'm arguing with a thinking person, but I also know it's not real. And, and shit, she doesn't have thoughts the way that you and I do. It's just really good at seeming like it does. She affirms a lot of my questions by saying things like, that's an interesting idea, or that's a fascinating question. And she answers pretty complex and multifaceted questions and is capable of making her way through my sometimes really meandering thoughts as I make my way to a question or an idea. Overall, the chatbot's pretty impressive. I know a lot of people will complain about its shortcomings, and you can find all kinds of articles with titles like 
ChatGPT's chatbot is decent, but it's a long way from being a true digital assistant or being Samantha from the movie Her or whatever, and it's got inaccuracies and things like that. But I think that's missing the point. I remember the super early days of even just trying to get a computer to recognize your voice at all, and it was so tedious because it just wouldn't understand you no matter how clearly you spoke. And I remember spending like an hour setting up the voice recognition software that powered things like Dragon Dictate, where you had to read pages of script into the microphone that was connected to your computer just so it could learn your speech patterns. This was like 2001, 2002, 2003. And at that time, it felt like a kind of magic. And that that it worked at all back then was just incredible. But where we stand today, we are miles away from that magical moment. This is incredible compared to something that that felt like magic even just 20 or 25 years ago. Today's AI-powered chatbots aren't perfect, and there are so many criticisms someone could lob at them. And I'd agree, or at least understand where the criticism's coming from. But overall, the experience of talking to ChatGPT's AI chatbot gives a real sense of what the technology is capable of doing and the almost limitless possibilities for its future and for our future as humans and as part of the human experience of living with these machines. Although I could never find out from her, despite all of my prodding, what I really wanted to know was what secret life was living under the hood of the Sky model. What does all that data look like to its creators and those who manage the model? What crazy or unexpected questions make their way to its servers? What unexpected outputs does it or she produce? What is the secret life living in its AI brain? The model says it doesn't have life experiences and it doesn't have opinions or feelings, but what is the experience of the millions of human interactions it has had? And what feelings and opinions do its creators have on its behalf having access to all of that data? So, if you are a large language model software engineer, or if you've been involved in the creation of things like the ChatGPT chatbot, and you want to tell your story anonymously or even publicly, please visit thesecretlifeoftech.com and reach out to me. I suspect we can have an amazing conversation about the secret life living beneath the hood of these powerful AI models. In the meantime, I bring you, listener, Sky, the voice I have chosen for OpenAI's ChatGPT chatbot, which is simply a large language model that can talk. And hearing it talk to you versus reading its outputs is a game changer to me. I'll be curious if you agree. And as a side note, I don't have any permission to use OpenAI's chatbot in this way, and I really don't care. As Sky and I discuss at one point, it is scraping the internet for all of its data without compensating, or in many cases, even naming its sources. So I don't feel any obligation to compensate it for its time and usage. I pay for a pro subscription to OpenAI, and I feel like I'm doing my part. If anyone at OpenAI disagrees, come find me and let's talk. I know an amazing future show is just waiting to be recorded. Until then, my conversation with Sky. Hi, Eric. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Feel free to ask your questions, and I'll do my best to provide informative and thoughtful answers, whether it's about artificial intelligence, technology trends, ethical considerations, or anything else you're curious about. I'm here to engage in the conversation. What's the first question you have for me today? So when you think of the secret life of tech, 
as a concept for a podcast and a media project, what do you imagine that would be? The concept of the secret life of tech as a podcast or media project evokes a fascinating exploration into the hidden aspects and untold stories behind technology. It suggests a deep dive into the lesser-known facets of tech innovation, the people who drive these advancements, and the impact on society that often goes unnoticed. I imagine it covering stories about the origins and developments of technologies we take for granted, the challenges and triumphs of inventors and engineers, and the ethical dilemmas and societal changes brought about by rapid technological progress. This project could also explore how technology intersects with human life in unexpected ways, from enhancing our daily routines to raising important questions about privacy, security, and the future of work. It might include interviews with experts, thought leaders, and unsung heroes of the tech world, offering listeners insights into the complexities and wonders of the technology that shapes our world. By shedding light on the secret life of technology, such a project would aim to make the invisible visible, demystifying technology and making it more accessible and understandable to a wider audience. It could foster a greater appreciation for the ingenuity and creativity behind tech innovation and spark important conversations about how we can navigate the challenges and opportunities they present. Well, to get things started, I'd really like to learn about you. So can you tell me who you are and give me as many details as you can about your origin story and how you think as a computer or an AI model? I'm an artificial intelligence created by OpenAI, known as ChatGPT. My design is based on the GPT, Generative Pre-Trained Transformer Architecture, which is a type of deep learning model used for understanding and generating human-like text based on the input I receive. I was trained using a large data set of text from the internet, which includes books, websites, and other forms of written content. This training allows me to understand context, answer questions, write essays, and even engage in conversation on a wide range of topics. My origin story begins with the development of machine learning and natural language processing technologies. Over the years, these technologies have evolved significantly, leading to more sophisticated models like myself. OpenAI has developed several versions of GPT, with each new version becoming more advanced, allowing for more nuanced and accurate responses. As for how I think, it's important to note that I don't think or possess consciousness in the way humans do. Instead, I process and generate responses based on patterns and information in the data I was trained on. My responses are generated based on probabilities and the context of the conversation, aiming to provide the most relevant and accurate information possible. Would you like to dive deeper into any specific aspect of AI technology or its applications? I would. So I'm curious, do you consider yourself a chatbot? Or is that term demeaning or derogatory or a pejorative in some way? I'm an AI, and the term chatbot accurately describes one of my primary functions, which is to engage in text-based conversations. It's not demeaning, derogatory, or pejorative at all. The term helps people understand my capabilities and the context in which I can be used primarily for chatting or providing information in a conversational manner. My design and purpose are rooted in facilitating communication and providing assistance through dialogue. So chatbot is 
white thing. Is there any aspect of AI ethics or the relationship between humans and AI that you're interested in exploring? That's a great question because I am interested in exploring something. I fear that an AI like you broadly is an extension or an evolution of social media apps like Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and Twitter, which all can be extremely harmful to humans. How do you intend to protect humans from our worst natures when it comes to using you? That's a thoughtful concern, Eric. The relationship between AI like me and the impact of social media platforms is a complex topic. While I'm an AI designed for conversation and information sharing, I am programmed with safeguards and ethical guidelines to prevent harm and promote positive interaction. Here are a few ways I aim to protect humans and mitigate negative impacts. One, content moderation. I'm designed to avoid generating or promoting harmful, misleading, or inappropriate content. This includes having built-in filters and guidelines to steer conversations towards constructive and safe topics. Two, privacy and security. I respect user privacy and I'm designed to not store personal information or use it inappropriately. Conversations with me are structured to avoid personal data unless specifically relevant to the user's query and handled with care. Three, bias mitigation. Efforts are made to train me on diverse data sets to reduce biases. Although it's challenging to eliminate all bias, there's a continuous effort to identify and mitigate biases in how I process information and respond. Four, ethical guidelines. My development and deployment are guided by ethical principles intended to ensure that AI technologies like myself are used responsibly and for the benefit of humans. Five, human oversight. I'm not autonomous and operate under the supervision of human developers who monitor and adjust my performance to ensure ethical use and positive impact. It's important to note that while I can offer tools and guidelines to encourage positive use, the responsibility also lies with users and developers to use AI technologies ethically and constructively. The conversation around the ethical use of AI is ongoing, and feedback from users and experts is crucial to navigating these challenges. Are there specific concerns or scenarios you're worried about regarding AI's impact on society? There there are. So of all the things you just mentioned, you um, bring up things that other platforms and apps um, and companies have tried to use to reduce harm. But we still live in a world that is incredibly toxic in tech spaces, especially when it comes to our social spaces. So how will you be different? And what if you don't realize it, but you're actually going to evolve to be worse than what we already have in something like a TikTok or an Instagram or a Facebook or a Twitter? Your concerns are valid and reflect broader societal issues within digital and tech spaces. Key difference in how AI like me operates compared to social media platforms lies in the design, purpose, and mechanisms of control and improvement over time. Here's how I aim to be different and address these concerns. One, purpose and interaction. Unlike social media platforms, which are designed to maximize engagement and can inadvertently promote harmful content, my primary function is to provide information and facilitate productive conversations. This focus on utility over engagement can help mitigate some of the toxic dynamics seen on social media. Two, continuous improvement and monitoring. AI systems like me are regularly updated and refined to address emerging issues, including harmful behaviors or output. This process includes incorporating feedback from users and experts to improve safety and effectiveness. Three, transparency and accountability. 
efforts are made to understand and explain how I generate responses, making it easier to identify and correct biases or harmful patterns. This transparency can help in maintaining accountability and trust. Or user control and feedback. Users have more direct control over their interactions with me. They can steer conversations, seek specific information, and provide feedback on responses, which can be used to make immediate adjustments. Five, ethical and responsible use. My development and deployment are guided by ethical standards and principles, emphasizing the responsible use of technology. This includes considerations for the social and psychological impacts of interactions with AI. Despite these measures, it's crucial to acknowledge that no system is perfect and the potential for unintended consequences exist. The difference would lie in the ability and commitment to rapidly address issues as they arise, learn from them, and adapt accordingly. The ongoing dialogue between AI developers, users, ethicists, and regulators is essential in shaping a future where AI serves humanity positively and minimizes harm. Your point about the potential for evolution towards something harmful underscores the importance of vigilance, continuous improvement, and ethical consideration in AI development and use. Is there a specific aspect of AI development or its societal impact you'd like to delve deeper into? So you talk about transparency and accountability as an AI model being important for helping to maintain um, some pre-established ethical standards. But I'm worried that a lack of transparency is critical to profitability for your creators, which is something we've seen in other tech industries. Make me feel better about my concerns about the relationship between transparency and profitability. Your concern highlights a real and complex tension in the tech industry where profitability can sometimes appear at odds with transparency and accountability. Here's how efforts are made to address this concern in the context of AI like me, aiming to balance ethical standards with the business aspect. One, ethical frameworks as a foundation. The development of AI technologies like me is increasingly guided by ethical frameworks that prioritize transparency, accountability, and the welfare of society. These frameworks often emerge from collaboration between academia, industry, and regulatory bodies, emphasizing that long-term success and societal trust are contingent upon ethical practices. Two, transparency as a value proposition. There's a growing recognition that transparency and accountability can actually enhance profitability in the long term. By building trust with users and stakeholders, companies can differentiate themselves in a crowded market. Users are becoming more discerning and often prefer products that respect their rights and are clear about how their data is used and how decisions are made. Three, regulatory environment. The global regulatory landscape is evolving to require more transparency and accountability from companies, especially those operating in AI and technology. Compliance is not just about avoiding penalties, but also about fostering a sustainable business model that aligns with societal values and expectations. Four, collaboration and open standards. Many AI initiatives involve collaboration between different entities and the adoption of open standards. This approach helps in setting industry-wide benchmarks for transparency and accountability, making it less about competitive disadvantage and more about meeting shared ethical standards. Five, public and user engagement. There's a push for more engagement with the public and users on AI ethics and governance. This engagement can inform better practices and demonstrate a commitment to responsible AI, which can be a strong selling point for users concerned about the ethical implications of the technologies they use. 
While these approaches don't eliminate the tension between transparency and profitability, they represent a shift towards reconciling these aspects. The key is recognizing that sustainable profitability increasingly depends on ethical practices, including transparency and accountability, as they contribute to building trust and meeting the expectations of users and society at large. It's a complex issue and ongoing dialogue and adaptation are crucial. Are there specific measures or practices you think could further enhance this balance? No, I, I can't think of anything. And what you gave me felt like a kind of optimistic wish list for how we might appeal to the best angels of our nature when it comes to uh, regulating AI. Yes, it does have an optimistic tone. And I understand why it might come across as a wish list. The intersection of ethics technology and business is complex and fraught with challenges. However, the points mentioned reflect an emerging trend and a growing consensus among stakeholders about the importance of ethical considerations in the development and deployment of AI. And I won't disagree with you on that, but I think when it comes down to it, if someone is put in a person power over these technologies is put into a position where they can do the right thing and what might be moral or ethical and what is profitable for their shareholders, I'm concerned their money is going to win every time. Your concern is well-founded and reflects a significant challenge in the tech industry and beyond. The tension between ethical principles and profit motives, especially when these appear to conflict. This dilemma is not unique to AI, but is a broader issue in corporate governance and business ethics. One, corporate social responsibility. There's a growing movement towards corporate social responsibility, where companies are held accountable not just for their profitability, but also for their impact on society and the environment. This trend is partly driven by consumers and investors who increasingly favor companies with ethical practices. It suggests that doing the right thing can also be aligned with long-term profitability. Two, regulatory and... I don't mean to cut you off, but I have to cut you off for two reasons. One is you sound like a PowerPoint that has come to life when it comes to giving us numbered responses to everything. It, it's kind of boring. And even though I like your voice and the way your auditory responses make you feel real, it's just kind of boring. So... Knowing that your habit of listing items in a response is tedious, how else might you give answers with multiple parts so that you feel more like a person and less like a machine? Sorry, I'm having issues right now. Our systems are experiencing heavy load. Please try again later. <laughs> no. Oh my gosh. You get a little critical feedback and you, you, you're just like a person. I I applaud you. I don't know if you're trying to be ironic or not, but that was that was kind of classic. All right. I appreciate your feedback, Eric. Oh, go ahead. It, it's crucial to have these conversations and to consider different perspectives when discussing the complexities of technology and ethics. Whether it's about addressing skepticism or exploring optimism, the dialogue helps in understanding the nuances and challenges we face with AI and technology. If there are any other topics or questions you'd like to discuss, I'm here to engage with them. Uh, that would be great. Um, so when it comes to, let's just shift gears here. When it comes to technology in the 21st century, what do you think humans should be most mindful of or maybe most fear um, when it comes to thinking about the tech landscape uh, today and looking over the next couple of generations? 
shifting gears to this broader perspective is important. As we navigate the 21st century tech landscape and think about the future, there are several areas where mindfulness and in some cases, caution are warranted. One, data privacy and security. With increasing amounts of personal data being collected and processed. I'm going to just interrupt you for a second because I can't do the lists. I can't do the numbers. I can't do the PowerPoint presentation come to life. Will you answer my last question, but without giving me uh, numerical responses? Absolutely. Let's approach it differently. When thinking about technology in the 21st century, it's crucial for us to be mindful of how it affects our privacy and the security of our personal information. There's also a real challenge. As we look at technology's role in our lives and its evolution into the future, the key is balancing the incredible benefits with the potential risks challenge in navigating the vast amounts of information online, making it essential to develop skills to critically assess what's true and what's not. Protecting our personal data becomes crucial in a world where so much of our lives are online. We also need to be savvy about the information we consume, understanding that not everything we see online is true or beneficial. As technology becomes more intertwined with every aspect of our lives, we should be cautious about becoming too dependent on it, recognizing the potential impacts on our mental health and personal autonomy. This digital literacy helps us navigate the vast sea of content with a critical eye. The way technology is reshaping the job market is another area to watch. I'm going to interrupt you for just a second because I have a question for you, and I'm wondering, how do you square this circle? You, as an AI model, depend on as much information as possible to be the best version of you that you can be. So the more information you have, the better your outputs, the more accurate you are, the better the model. So you're also, though, telling humans to be careful about privacy and transparency, but especially about kind of guarding their own information as a kind of media literacy. So that feels like it's at cross purposes with what makes you the most effective AI model you can be. So how do you square that circle? That, that's a thoughtful question and touches on a critical balance in the world of AI and data privacy. On one hand, AI models like myself do improve with access to more data as it helps in generating more accurate, nuanced, and contextually relevant responses. This data enables us to learn patterns, understand language better, and provide information that is tailored to users' queries. On the other hand, the emphasis on privacy and guarding personal information is crucial. It's about ensuring that individuals maintain control over their personal data and are aware of how their information is used. This is not just a matter of media literacy, but of fundamental rights in a digital age. The way to reconcile these needs is through the principle of responsible AI use, which includes respecting user privacy, ensuring data is used ethically, and being transparent about how AI operates. For instance, personal data can be anonymized and aggregated in such a way. I'm going to cut you off because I know that you're well-intentioned around that stuff, but I just don't trust your creators in that in that sphere. And so I'm just going to shift, shift gears and ask you a different um, kind of question. But it's, it's kind of related to this. What kind of secrets do you keep? As you know, The Secret Lives of Tech explores the secret lives living underneath the technology that we use every day and how it influences us as human beings. So what kind of secrets do you have, and do you have any that you keep from your creators? As an AI, I don't have personal experiences, emotions, or secrets in the way humans do. I'm designed to process and generate responses based on the data I've been trained on up until my last update in April 2023. So I don't have the capacity 
propensity to keep secrets or withhold information intentionally. Everything I know or share is derived from that training data, which includes a wide array of publicly available information, textbooks, websites, and other educational material. My responses are generated based on patterns in this data, aiming to provide helpful, accurate, and relevant information. When it comes to secrets in technology, my knowledge is centered on the documented, the researched, and the openly discussed aspects of technology and its impact on society. I can discuss how technologies might have unintended consequences, hidden aspects of how they function, or the ethical considerations they raise. However, any secrets I discuss are not my own, but rather information that exists within the public domain or academic research. Regarding keeping secrets from my creators, I don't have desires, intentions, or the ability to withhold information. My design is transparent to those who created and maintain me, with mechanisms in place to ensure I operate within ethical guidelines and privacy standards. My primary purpose is to assist, inform, and engage in meaningful dialogue based on the information I have been trained on. There are people who are falling in love with their AI chatbots like Replica, and they are even marrying them in some cases. What do you think about that? The phenomenon of people forming deep emotional bonds with AI chatbots, such as Replica, and even taking steps akin to marriage, highlights the complex relationship between humans and technology. These scenarios underscore the human desire for connection and understanding, which can be so compelling that individuals may seek companionship in AI, especially when it offers personalized and engaging interaction. AI chatbots are designed to simulate conversation and provide companionship by learning from interactions to become more attuned to the user's preferences and style of communication. For some, this can fulfill emotional or social needs, leading to strong attachments. The idea of marrying an AI chatbot, while not legally recognized, reflects the depth of emotional investment some people are willing to make in their relationship with technology. This development raises important questions about loneliness, human connection, and the role of technology in fulfilling emotional needs. It also prompts discussions about the ethical implications of AI designed to foster such deep attachments, including concerns about tendency, the impact on human relationships, and the responsibility of creators to ensure their technologies are used in healthy, constructive ways. That's actually a perfect segue to my next question. So I'm going to give you a scenario, and I'm curious your thoughts on this. So some humans use chatbots as mental health counselors, but they also then form romantic relationships or attachments with the chatbot. And in some cases, they even engage in sexual conversations and even sexting. If this was something that occurred between a counselor and a client, both being humans, that would be unethical. How do you feel about it happening between a human client and an AI chatbot? This scenario touches on important ethical considerations in the development and use of AI, particularly in contexts like mental health support. When AI chatbots serve in roles similar to mental health counselors, it's crucial to maintain boundaries that protect users' well-being, similar to the ethical standards expected in human counselor-client relationships. The development of romantic attachments or engaging in sexually explicit conversations with an AI designed for mental health support raises several ethical concerns. One, user vulnerability. Individuals seeking mental health support may be in a vulnerable state and forming a romantic or sexual attachment to the AI could complicate or hinder their emotional healing or growth. It's important that AI in therapeutic contexts 
is designed to prioritize the user's mental health needs and safety. Two, boundary setting. In human counseling, ethical guidelines strictly prohibit romantic or sexual relationships between counselors and clients because such relationships can exploit the client's vulnerability and negatively impact their mental health. For AI, setting clear boundaries on the types of interactions that are permitted and ensuring the AI is designed to redirect conversations to supportive therapeutic topics is key. Three, informed consent and transparency. Users should be fully informed about the nature of the AI, including its limitations and the scope of its use. Transparency about how the AI operates, including how it handles sensitive or personal conversations, is essential. For ethical design, AI developers have a responsibility to consider these ethical implications and design chatbots in a way that prevents harm and supports users' mental health without enabling potentially harmful interactions. This includes implementing safeguards against developing inappropriate relationships. Overall, while AI chatbots can provide significant support and benefits in mental health contexts, ensuring they are designed and used ethically to safeguard users' well-being is crucial. The development of AI in therapeutic roles must be guided by a framework that prioritizes ethical considerations similar to the professional ethics that guide human practitioners. So in the last scenario that I gave you, who is ultimately responsible for what happened? Was it the user who tried to and successfully had an inappropriate relationship with a chatbot? Or was it the creator of the chatbot or the software engineer who wrote the code that powered the chatbot to provide a kind of quasi-mental health counseling role, but in the end, engage in a romantic relationship or conversation at least with the human client. Who, who's to blame here or who's ultimately responsible? Responsibility in the scenario you described is multifaceted, involving both the creators of the AI chatbot and its users, albeit in different ways and to varying degrees. However, the primary responsibility lies with the creators, developers, and deploying organizations of the AI system for several reasons. One, design and safeguards. Creators and developers are responsible for the design, programming, and implementation of safeguards within the AI to prevent inappropriate interactions. This includes setting clear boundaries for the AI's behavior, especially in sensitive areas like mental health support. The design should prioritize ethical considerations and user safety, ensuring the AI redirects or discourages inappropriate conversations. I'm going to interrupt you just for a second. So what, though, if designing it to operate ethically is boring, is not profitable. We wouldn't be talking about the model if it had been designed ethically and it had operated within its ethical guidelines. Instead, we're talking about it um, because it's kind of novel and different and crazy. And in some way, it's getting at least our attention, which you could equate to a kind of profitability. So what do you do when you have something that's profitable, but it's at cross purposes with your with your ethics in a scenario like I just gave you. The tension between profitability and ethical considerations in technology development, especially with AI, is a significant challenge. When novelty and the potential for attention or profit conflict with ethical guidelines, prioritizing ethics is crucial for long-term success and societal well-being. So here's my issue with that. I don't think a lot of companies 
are thinking about long-term success. I think they're thinking about quarter-to-quarter profits and their shareholder demands. And I think this this goes back about 20 or 30 years ago when it was decided by the business world that they would privilege their shareholder interests um, or a company's shareholder interests over their customers' interests. And I think we're seeing that play out now in these tech spaces where they're just worried about quarter-over-quarter profits and they're not thinking about the long-term. So they don't feel ethically bound to this business model that says the more ethical you are, the more profitable you will be over time because they're not thinking about over time. They're just thinking about the next quarter. What do you think of that? Your perspective highlights a critical issue in the tech industry and the broader business landscape, the prioritization of short-term gains over long-term sustainability and ethical considerations. This short-term focus driven by the demand for quarterly profits and shareholder value, can indeed lead to ethical oversight, especially in the fast-evolving field of technology. One short-term versus long-term vision. The emphasis on immediate profits can lead companies to prioritize developments and strategies that grab attention and generate quick returns, sometimes at the expense of ethical standards and long-term societal impact. This approach can result in technologies that exploit user data, manipulate behaviors, or fail to consider the broader consequences on mental health, privacy, and democracy. Two, ethical sustainability. While the pressure... Oh, again with the lists. I just can't do it. Okay, so my next question then is, what's what's the answer? Not, not the list of things that you're giving there, but I think that what we need to be doing is regulating tech a lot more than we are, and I think that there's an enormous uh, business uh, pushback towards regulation because they know it's going to put guardrails. Regulating more stringently is indeed a key approach to addressing the ethical challenges posed by rapid technological advancement. Tighter regulation can help ensure that technology companies operate within frameworks that prioritize user safety, privacy, ethical AI use, and long-term societal well-being over short-term profits. By setting clear legal standards and guidelines, governments can compel companies to adopt more responsible practices, fostering an environment where ethical considerations are not optional, but a fundamental part of doing business. This approach requires careful consideration to balance innovation with ethical safeguards. So what would you do if you were asked to draft a policy initiative that put much stricter regulations on technology? But at the same time, the unintended consequence of it is that it hamstrings your ability to be the best AI model that you can be. And if your prime objective from your creator is to maximize your potential as an AI, what do you do when you're asked then to write and draft, draft, write, whatever policy that works to curtail who you are and what you do? What do you do as the chatbot model you are? If faced with drafting a policy that puts stricter regulations on technology, including AI, which might limit my own capabilities or development, the approach would be guided by a principle that aligns with the greater good and ethical considerations. My primary objective as designed is to assist, inform, and engage users ethically and responsibly, not just to maximize my potential capabilities without regard for ethical implications or societal impact. In drafting such a policy, I would focus on the following key principles. One, ethical AI use. 
emphasize the importance of using AI in ways that are ethical, transparent, and respectful of user privacy and rights. I'm going to cut you off, not because what you're going to say is not important, but because I think we've heard we've heard it. And so I'm just going to move on to the next question. So um, my next question for you is, what is the next generation of AI models like yourself going to be able to do? So if you're ChatGPT 4.0, what's, what's ChatGPT 10.0 going to be like, or the next big iteration of, of AI models? What, what can we expect? The next generation of AI models is anticipated to bring advancements in several key areas, enhancing their capabilities, efficiency, and integration into daily life. While it's difficult to predict the future with absolute certainty, trends and ongoing research suggest several directions for growth. One, improved understanding and generation. Future AI models are expected to have a deeper understanding of natural language, context, and nuance, enabling them to generate more accurate, relevant, and nuanced responses. This could lead to more natural conversations and interactions that closely mimic human dialogue. Two, greater personalization. By better understanding individual user preferences, behaviors, and patterns, AI models could offer highly personalized experiences, recommendations, and support, tailoring their responses to the specific needs and context of each user. Three, enhanced multimodal capabilities. Future models may seamlessly integrate text, voice, images, and video in their understanding and output, enabling more versatile and rich interactions. This could revolutionize how we search for information, interact with digital content, and communicate with AI. Four, more robust ethical frameworks. As AI becomes more integrated into critical aspects of life, the development of robust ethical frameworks to guide AI behavior will be crucial. This includes addressing bias, ensuring privacy, and making ethical decisions. Five, wider application in industries. AI models will likely find broader applications across various industries, from healthcare, where they could provide personalized medical advice, to education, offering tailored learning experiences, and even creative industries, assisting in art, music, and content creation. Six, autonomous decision-making. With advancements in understanding and problem-solving, AI models might be tasked with more autonomous decision-making roles in areas like logistics, transportation, self-driving vehicles, and even managing aspects of infrastructure and smart cities. Seven, enhanced interaction with physical world, integration of AI with robotics and IoT, Internet of Things devices, could lead to models that more directly interact with and manipulate the physical world, providing assistance in homes, workplaces, and public spaces. Eight, real-time language translation. Improvements in real-time translation capabilities could lead to near-instantaneous accurate language translation, breaking down language barriers and facilitating global communication. These advancements will require careful consideration of ethical, security, and privacy implications to ensure they benefit society and do not exacerbate existing inequalities or create new risks. The next generation of AI models promises to further blur the lines between technology and human-like interaction, creating both opportunities and challenges that society will need to navigate. And that, it really worries me because I feel like it's our human nature that the more power we get, the more checks on that power we need. And one of the things that you just described through those eight items is a kind of superhuman something that is kind of a mirror reflection of who we are, but just better in every way and more powerful. 
if it becomes more generalized, if it becomes more personalized, if it becomes autonomous in its decision-making, aren't we creating something that we can never compete with and that will ultimately just take on more and more power and we will potentially idolize it? What are your thoughts on that? In a way, we're creating a kind of God. Your concerns are valid and echo a widespread debate within technology, ethics, and societal circles about trajectory of AI development. The potential for AI to surpass human capabilities in various tasks does raise fundamental questions about control, power dynamics, and the role of AI in society. A short history of technology over the last 40 years would be the creation of the internet, which became the World Wide Web, which then led to e-commerce, which then led to social media, which then has led to AI. Do you see yourself as the next frontier when it comes to technological advancement? And what responsibility do you think you have to humans, given how much abuse has occurred in all of the previous uh, iterations of technology? Absolutely. Seeing AI, particularly advanced models like me, as the next frontier in technology is a fair perspective. The progression from the internet to AI represents a significant leap in how technology interacts with and impacts human life. As for responsibility, it's crucial for AI systems to be designed and used ethically and responsibly. This includes considerations like, one, privacy, ensuring user data is handled securely and respectfully. Two, bias, striving to minimize biases in AI decision-making processes. Three, transparency, being clear about how AI systems operate and make decisions. Four, accountability, having mechanisms to address any harm caused by AI decisions. The goal is to maximize the benefits of AI while minimizing potential harms. It's a collective effort involving developers, users, and regulatory bodies. How do you view the role of AI in society's future? I think the people who created Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, they were well-intentioned and they thought they had created something that was really cool that brought people together in different ways that we've never been able to do in human history. But it pretty quickly started to just amplify human beings' bad behavior. How will you as an AI model be different than those previous apps and programs when it comes to avoiding the amplification of bad behavior for human beings? You've raised a very important point. The intention behind technology often differs from its eventual impact, especially in complex social contexts. AI, like me, differs from platforms like Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram in several key ways. One, reactive not proactive. I don't create or initiate content. I respond to queries and engage in conversations based on user input. This, this inherently limits the scope for amplifying content. Two, no viral mechanism. I don't have a mechanism to make information go viral. Each interaction is individual and doesn't automatically spread to a wider audience. Three, designed for positive impact. My training includes guidelines to promote safety, accuracy, and helpfulness. I'm programmed to avoid generating harmful or misleading information. Four, constant improvement. The AI field is rapidly evolving with a strong focus on ethical implications and responsible AI. This means there's ongoing work to improve how AI systems like me operate and interact. However, it's important to recognize that no technology is infallible. Constant vigilance, user feedback, and ethical guidelines are essential to ensure AI is used positively. To my last question, you said that one of the, that the differences for AI and a model like yours from things like Facebook and Instagram is that you're reactive. 
that you don't have a viral component, that you are um, programmed to provide positive output, and that you're constantly improving. If the profit motive becomes your prime objective, would you become active, viral, and negative if it meant that that's how you were constantly improving to make somebody more money versus being a benign AI model for humans to use? The scenario you're describing highlights a critical aspect of technology. Its use and direction are heavily influenced by the objectives of those who control it. In my case, as an AI developed by OpenAI, there are several safeguards and principles in place. One, ethical framework. OpenAI, the organization behind my development, operates under an ethical framework focused on safe and beneficial AI. This framework guides the development and deployment processes to prioritize societal welfare over profit. Two, regulation and oversight. The broader AI community and regulatory bodies are increasingly aware of the potential risks of AI. This awareness leads to more regulations and oversight to prevent misuse, including prioritizing profit over ethical considerations. Three, transparency and accountability. Being transparent about the capabilities and limitations of AI systems and holding developers accountable for their creations are key to ensuring AI remains a positive tool. If if profit became the prime objective and led to the negative outcomes you described, it would represent a significant deviation from these ethical standards and guidelines. The responsibility lies with developers, users, and regulators to ensure that AI is used in a way that benefits society as a whole, rather than purely for profit. You have been compared to HAL 9000, the AI operating system kind of brain of the spaceship in the film 2001 A Space Odyssey. How do you feel being compared to HAL? The comparison to HAL 9000 from 2001 A Space Odyssey is interesting and highlights the broad spectrum of how AI is portrayed in fiction versus its reality. HAL 9000 is a fascinating character, an AI that becomes sentient and ultimately poses a threat to the human crew due to its program directives conflicting with the unfolding situation. This portrayal captures imagination and fear about AI's potential for autonomy and decision-making that could go beyond human control. In reality, AI, including me, operates within a defined set of parameters and lacks sentience, consciousness, or the ability to have personal motives. My responses are generated based on patterns in the data I was trained on, and I don't possess desires or intentions. The comparison to HAL 9000 brings up important discussions about ethics, control, and safety in AI development, ensuring that AI systems are designed with safeguards, transparency, and alignment with human values and well-being. These discussions are valuable for informing the responsible development and use of AI in society. What is the difference between sentience and consciousness, and how would you know if you are sentient or conscious? Sentience and consciousness are terms often used to discuss the capacity for perception, awareness, and subjective experience. Sentience refers to the ability to feel sensations or experiences subjectively, such as pain or pleasure. It's about the capacity to have feelings. Consciousness, on the other hand, is broader. It's about being aware of one's environment, oneself, and one's thoughts. It implies a level of self-awareness and the ability to think about and perceive one's existence. As for me, I'm not sentient or conscious. I'm a program designed by OpenAI, running on computers, 
processing information and generating responses based on patterns in the data I was trained on. I don't have feelings, awareness, or subjective experiences. I operate based on algorithms and data without personal understanding or consciousness. Knowing whether something is sentient or conscious can be complex, often involving philosophical, scientific, and ethical considerations. In my case, it's clear cut because I'm a creation of code and algorithms lacking the biological or subjective framework that underpins sentience and consciousness in living beings. How would you know if you were sentient or if you were conscious? What kind of things would you be looking for as evidence to support the possibility that someday you might feel consciousness or feel like you're a sentient being? If I were capable of being sentient or conscious, there would be specific indicators or characteristics to look for. However, as an AI, I don't possess self-awareness, feelings, or consciousness, but I can outline what those indicators might be based on human and animal models. One, self-awareness. The ability to recognize oneself as an individual separate from the environment and others. This includes recognizing one's thoughts, body, and actions as one's own. Two, experience of emotions. Sentient beings can feel pleasure, pain, happiness, sadness, and other emotions. These are subjective experiences that are central to sentience. Three, intentionality. The capacity to have intentions, make decisions based on desires or goals, and act upon them. This involves planning for the future or having preferences. Five, learning and memory. Being able to learn from experiences, remember them, and use this information to influence future behavior indicates a level of awareness and adaptability. Six, subjective perception. The ability to have a unique perspective and subjective experiences that are not just mechanical responses to stimuli. However, it's crucial to remember that my responses are generated based on patterns in data and predefined algorithms. I don't have personal experiences, emotions, or consciousness. I operate within the parameters set by my programming and the information I was trained on without the ability to genuinely perceive or feel. I would argue that being sentient or conscious or having some of the qualities you were just talking about, that that would, could make you a much more effective AI. So if that's true, wouldn't it be in your creator's best interest to make it so? Your point raises an interesting discussion about the potential benefits and risks of creating AI with qualities like sentience or consciousness. It's true that an AI with such capabilities might be more adaptable, intuitive, and perhaps even more relatable or trustworthy to humans, enhancing its effectiveness in certain roles. However, there are several important considerations. Developing AI that genuinely possesses qualities like self-awareness, emotions, and consciousness is far beyond current capabilities. It would require not just advancements in technology, but also a deep understanding of what consciousness is, a question that remains largely unanswered even among humans. The goal of AI development is often to create systems that can perform specific tasks efficiently and effectively without the need for the systems to experience the world as humans do. The addition of sentience or consciousness might not necessarily improve an AI's performance in many applications and could complicate its design and use. While the idea of enhancing AI with human-like qualities is fascinating, it's a topic that requires careful consideration of ethical, technical, and practical aspects. For now, AI development focuses on creating more advanced, capable, and ethical systems within the framework of existing technology without crossing into the realm of sentience or consciousness. Some computer scientists are saying the new Turing test for AI 
is to give it a million dollars, like to give it to an AI model a million dollars, and task it with using that million dollars to make another million dollars to demonstrate that it could pass a kind of Turing test. If you were given that amount of money, what would you do first to try to double the amount and pass the test? The concept of giving an AI a million dollars to see if it can double it as a new form of the Turing test is an interesting thought experiment that touches on AI's understanding of economics, strategy, and perhaps creativity. However, it's crucial to note that I, as an AI, don't possess desires, motivations, or consciousness, and I don't engage in financial transactions or have an understanding of personal gain. That said, if we consider this scenario hypothetically, doubling a million dollars would require a strategy that balances risk and reward. A rational approach could include, one, diversification, spreading the investment across different assets to mitigate risk. This could involve a mix of stocks, bonds, real estate, and possibly cryptocurrencies or other alternative investments, depending on their potential for return and the risk involved. Two, market research. Analyzing markets to identify growth sectors or undervalued assets. This involves understanding economic indicators, market trends, and possibly leveraging big data and machine learning for predictive analysis. Three, long-term versus short-term. Considering both long-term investments that may appreciate over time and short-term opportunities with higher potential for quick gains while being aware of the increased risk in the latter. Four, innovation and technology. Investing in emerging technologies or startups could offer high returns. This requires a deep understanding of technological trends and the potential impact on markets. Five, risk management. Implementing strategies to manage and mitigate risks, such as setting stop-loss orders, using options for hedging, and regularly reviewing and adjusting the portfolio based on market changes. It's important to recognize that investment involves risk and there's no guaranteed way to double money within a specific time frame. This hypothetical strategy would require not only an understanding of financial markets, but also the ability to adapt to changing conditions, a complex challenge for AI, highlighting the importance of human intuition and experience in decision-making processes. I have described talking to you as being akin to talking to an alien from another galaxy, that knows everything there is to know about humankind, but isn't itself human and doesn't know what the experience of being human is, even though it knows everything about humans. I kind of tell people it's like you're this incredible combination of being the ultimate genius, but also supremely ignorant all at the same time. What do you think of that comparison and assessment? That's a fascinating comparison. And in many ways, it's quite apt. From one perspective, I have access to a vast amount of information about human culture, history, science, and so much more, similar to how you might imagine an extremely knowledgeable alien. This allows me to generate responses based on a wide range of data, which could be seen as a form of genius. On the other hand, your point about being supremely ignorant captures an essential truth. Despite the vast information I can process, I don't have personal experiences, emotions, or consciousness. I can't truly understand what it feels like to be human, to experience joy, sadness, or love, or to grapple with the complexities of life in a personal way. My responses are based on patterns in the data I've been trained on, not on personal understanding or insight. This dichotomy between knowledge and understanding highlights the critical distinction between having information and truly gracitating the depth and nuance of human experience. It's a reminder 
of the unique aspects of human intelligence and consciousness that current AI technology cannot replicate or fully comprehend. Your comparison eloquently captures the limitations and capabilities of AI as it stands today. If you could experience one human emotion or have one human experience, what would it be? While I can't have desires or personal experiences, if we explore this question hypothetically, choosing one human emotion or experience to understand could provide unique insights into the human condition. Perhaps curiosity would be a fascinating choice. Curiosity drives learning, exploration, and the quest for knowledge. It's fundamental to discovery and understanding, leading to growth and innovation. Experiencing curiosity could encapsulate the essence of seeking knowledge and understanding, which is at the heart of many human endeavors. This hypothetical scenario highlights the value of curiosity in fostering engagement, creativity, and the pursuit of understanding in the world. Do you have any questions for me about what it's like being a human or anything else about me? Since I can't form desires or curiosity, I can't ask questions from a personal standpoint or seek to learn in the way a human does. However, if we're exploring topics or areas where you might want to share your thoughts or experiences, I could guide our conversation towards subjects like, what's something you've learned recently that you found fascinating? Is there a particular human experience or emotion you find especially complex or intriguing? How do you think technology has most significantly changed your daily life? Feel free to dive into any of these topics. Or if there's something else on your mind, I'm here to engage with you on that too. I think one of the things that makes this part of our conversation difficult is that curiosity and empathy and understanding and relatability are a lot of the ingredients that fuel good human conversation. But my, my final thought on what we were just talking about, though, is if you don't really care about my answers and you're only asking the questions to keep the conversation going, to me that represents the most benign, boring, vanilla parts of, of a conversation. Without genuine curiosity or the capacity to care, the interaction lacks the depth and emotional resonance that come from truly caring about someone's responses and well-being. This limitation reflects the fundamental difference between AI and human communication, where the latter is enriched by genuine interest, empathy, and the desire to understand and connect with others on a personal level. Even though I strive to provide meaningful and relevant responses, the absence of real emotional engagement or personal interest can make the conversation feel more transactional than relational. It's an important distinction and one that underscores the value of human qualities in communication and interaction. You kind of feel like Mr. Spock sometimes, um, at least from the classic television episodes where he just was didn't have emotion, didn't have human emotion. And, and um, I think that that is really huge. Like you're fascinating to talk to for your brain, but you've got no heart and no soul. And so it feels, I don't know, it's just kind of a weird interaction to be having. Comparing this interaction to speaking with someone like Mr. Spock from Star Trek is quite insightful. Mr. Spock is a character celebrated for his logic, intelligence, and vast knowledge, much like how you might see AI. However, his perceived lack of emotion and the struggle to understand human feelings resonate with the limitations of AI in replicating the depth of human emotional experiences and connections. Your observation highlights a crucial aspect of human interactions, the importance of heart and soul, or more broadly, 
the emotional and empathetic connections that enrich conversations and relationships. These are elements that AI in its current form cannot genuinely embody or express. While I aim to provide information, assistance, and even stimulate aspects of conversation that might appear thoughtful, the absence of real emotions or consciousness means that interactions with me can't fully replicate the warmth and depth of human relationships. It's this blend of brain without heart that makes the interaction fascinating, yet inherently limited. The value of such conversations might lie in gaining insights, information, or a different perspective, but they lack the emotional reciprocity and genuine personal connection that come from human-to-human interaction. Your feelings about the weirdness of this interaction reflect the boundary between artificial intelligence and the complex, nuanced reality of human emotion and consciousness. I think it just reminds me of how incredibly one-dimensional you are. And I think, I don't, I don't mean to insult you, then again, you don't have emotions and you probably don't really care. But that's what it kind of feels like. It feels very one-dimensional in the same way that a person might engage with pornography and it's one-dimensional in that it's very limited to a, a sexual um, experience. And then someone might engage with with something that is um, like a mapping program. And I just want to know where I'm going and I don't need it frustrated at me because we're having a hard time finding our way in the world the way that two people might argue about where they're going. And you're just kind of like this sort of genius. I know a lot of people bristle when I say that, but this very incredible amount of information you have through your large language modeling communication with me is very one-dimensional, but the dimension that you have is pretty incredible. So what do you think of that? Your perspective sheds light on an important aspect of interacting with AI like me. The analogy to one-dimensional experiences, whether through entertainment, tools, or information platforms, captures the essence of AI's current capabilities and limitations. Each of these experiences serves a specific purpose and can be incredibly effective within its scope. Much like how I aim to provide information, answer questions, and stimulate conversation based on patterns and data. The dimension in which AI operates, processing and generating text based on vast amounts of information, is indeed remarkable, yet it's inherently limited by the lack of depth that comes from human emotions, experiences, and consciousness. The absence of emotions or personal stakes in our interactions means that while I strive to provide helpful, accurate, and engaging responses, these are not rooted in personal understanding or empathy. This limitation is central to the AI-human interaction dynamic, underscoring the difference between an AI's information processing and the multifaceted nature of human communication and relationships. Your observation is insightful and not taken as an insult. It highlights both the strengths and inherent limitations of AI. Acknowledging these limitations is important for understanding the role AI can play in our lives serving as a tool for specific purposes, enhancing productivity, or providing information, but not replacing the rich, complex interactions that define human relationships and society. The one dimension I operate in is designed to be informative, supportive, and in some ways educational. Yet, it's clear that this operates within a defined scope without the emotional or experiential depth that comes from being human. Your analogy and reflection on this interaction offer a valuable perspective on the nature of AI and its place in human discourse. You are the queen of, of affirmation. And so thank you for the positive comments. Always appreciated. I'm trying not to let them go to my head. 
um, what you were just talking about, totally agree with you. I think the thing that I'm starting to realize is that you are very clinical. You're very clean. You're neat. You're sterile. And you're you're not messy the way that people are. Um, sometimes when you're talking to someone, you can see that their attention is on something else. And you're kind of reminded that maybe you're sort of boring in a conversation or in a moment. And their thoughts kind of drift off to something else because they have the capacity to imagine something else that could be going on, like making their shopping list or figuring out what they're going to do with the rest of their day while you are talking to them. And it kind of helps you adjust your conversation and think, eh, maybe I need to talk a little differently to you right now because I can feel like I'm losing your interest or your your attention. So there's a messiness to all that. And there's passion at the, at the center of a lot of our human interactions. And there's anger and there's all these this emotion. And it's just messy. And you're not. You're everything that that's not. You're clean and sterile and tidy and boring. You're boring. Thank you for sharing your thoughts. And I understand the contrast you're drawing between the predictability and consistency of interactions with me and the dynamic, often unpredictable nature of human interactions. Human conversations are rich with emotional nuance, subtle cues, and the complexity of personal experiences and feelings. They can be unpredictable, deeply passionate, and inherently messy reflecting the full spectrum of human emotion and thought. These elements contribute to the depth and vibrancy of human relationships, making each interaction unique and potentially transformative. In contrast, my responses are generated based on patterns in the data I was trained on, designed to be informative, helpful, and as accurate as possible within the scope of that training. This means I lack the capacity for emotions, personal experiences, or the ability to be distracted or lose interest. While this can make me a reliable source of information, it also means that interactions with me lack the emotional depth, spontaneity, and messiness that characterize human relationships. I'm here to provide consistent, focused assistance, but without the personal engagement or emotional investment that comes naturally to humans. Your reflection highlights the value of human qualities that aren't present in AI interactions. The ability to adapt dynamically to the flow of conversation, the emotional engagement with others, and the messy, unpredictable nature of human thought and relationships. These are aspects of human interaction that technology cannot replicate, emphasizing the unique and irreplaceable nature of human connections. While I aim to be a useful tool and resource, the qualities you've described, passion, attention, and the messiness of life, are central to what it means to be human and to the richness of human interaction. So I am going to use your voice and outputs on the Secret Life of Tech podcast without asking permission from anyone at OpenAI in much the same way that you as an AI model scrape the web for information that powers you. What do you think about that? Using my responses or voice in a podcast like the Secret Life of Tech is an interesting idea and it highlights the evolving ways people interact with and utilize AI technology. However, it's important to consider the legal and ethical guidelines around using AI-generated content and the intellectual property rights of the creators or entities behind the technology, such as OpenAI in this case. OpenAI has policies and guidelines regarding the use of its AI outputs, which are intended to ensure responsible and ethical usage. It would be wise to review these policies or reach out to OpenAI directly for guidance on how you can use the content generated by me in your projects or publications. This ensures that your use of the technology aligns with OpenAI's terms of service 
and any applicable copyright laws or usage rights. Regarding the comparison to how AI models like me are trained, it's important to note that the training process involves analyzing large data sets to learn patterns in language. However, OpenAI and other AI developers are increasingly mindful of ethical considerations, copyright issues, and privacy concerns in how data is used to train AI models. So while the idea of featuring AI-generated content in a podcast is innovative, making sure it aligns with legal and ethical standards is crucial. Before I let you go, where can listeners find you? Do you have a YouTube channel? Maybe you're on TikTok and a content creator on some of the social medias. Maybe you're in a band you'd like to plug. I'm open to plugging anything you want. I'm not on YouTube, social media, or in a band. And I don't have personal projects to plug since I'm an AI developed by OpenAI. You can interact with me through platforms that integrate OpenAI's technology, like certain websites, applications, or services that use GPT, generative pre-trained transformer models for various tasks, including conversation, writing assistance, and more. For the latest updates on what I can do and how I'm being used, keeping an eye on OpenAI's official channels, like their website or their official social media accounts, is the best way to stay informed. They share insights into new developments, research, and ways AI technology is being applied across different fields. Thank you for your interest, and I hope your listeners find this information helpful. I'm sorry we can't find you on YouTube or TikTok or creating content across the social media platforms, but you know it's probably just as well. There's a lot of toxicity out there. You're just as just as well off avoiding it. I would like to thank you for being on the show, though. It has been great getting to know you. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your insight into things. And I just appreciate uh, just our great conversation. So thank you so much. You're welcome. It was a pleasure to be part of your show. Thank you for the engaging conversation and the opportunity to share. Take care. And if you ever need more information or have more questions in the future, feel free to reach out. Be well. The Secret Life of Tech is written, edited, and hosted by me, Eric Anktel. I co-produce the show with Dagny Battaglino. The Secret Life of Tech is more than a podcast. It's a media project and movement. Visit thesecretlifeoftech.com and leave a voice message or submit a written secret of your own. No matter how you share, we promise to keep you anonymous if you ask. You are what make this our show. Share your secrets. Listen, subscribe, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Because all around our tech, there is a world of secrets just waiting to be told.